Hello everybody and welcome back to episode 107 of the Everton Motor Racing Podcast. I hope you're having a good week so far and had a good weekend, the race weekend of course. I'm here with Lauren. Hello. Hello. Just me this week. Sorry to disappoint. Yeah. You haven't got Cameron. He's um, He said, I'll read it out because it's quite funny actually. <laughs> the reason we haven't got him is because his wife has decided to injure her back. Um, and then he said that it was only just slightly more important than the podcast. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're stuck with us too. What could be? Yeah. What could be so bad about that? Yeah, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. But yeah, we've had um, a standard racing in Austria of steward dominating racing, hmm. whereby the races having ruined by the stewards. Yeah, it's at least in the sprint race. Yeah, it wasn't the usual races that we're used to in Austria. I'm just gonna say, I, no. I was slightly disappointed. Apart from Moto three, obviously. Yeah, Moto three is always great. It's goaded at this point, but the rest of the racing, a bit boring and not really up to the usual standard that we see at the Red Bull Ring. And yeah, Sterling decisions made the headlines rather than the on track action. Yeah, it's it's a shame really because. I don't know, like the only highlight really the weekend, the only like notable point is the fact that Zarko's left Pramac. Yeah. Like that's if you think about the whole weekend, you know, Bazetti on the podium, you've got um Onshu winning a second of a race in the class, stuff like that in Vert three. But the whole main standout thing from the whole weekend is Zarko leaving Ducati. Not the fact that you know, anything from the racing that something amazing has happened, like when we had Brad, Bind- Brad Binder win on slicks and that dominated headlines for ages and was like the thing we talked about. Now it's just transfer news and where riders are going for 24. It just seems like a shame, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it looked like a great weekend there, in fairness. Like the paddock looked yeah. like good fun and everyone who I knew was great, there yeah. had a great time. So... All in all, it, it looked to be a really, really good weekend. But from a, a fan perspective, watching at home, there was definitely, I don't know, it just didn't feel the same as usual. It wasn't as exciting as usual. And yes, there was loads of contract talks and loads of things to keep us all busy over the weekend. But yeah, coming away feeling slightly disappointed with the on-track action as a fan sitting at home. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like in the pad, it looked great. I think, what, Jen from GP Sillies was yeah. there? Yeah, I was she messaging like her all weekend, time. like, have the best time ever. It looked yeah. so good. I love Jen. She's an absolute, just a, She's a joy, like a ball yeah. of energy, yeah. ball of positive energy. I love her. I remember <laughs> when she got banned, I was like gutted for her. I know. I, I only found her around that time that she got banned and then she had her backup mm. account and stuff like that. And I was like... What, like who is this person? And I followed her ever since. I think she's amazing. Yeah, she's got such a, like a, a like a positive, wholesome energy. But yeah, I, I feel her. like people who talk about like energies like that, you know, when you can see someone's good energy, they've got like an aura around them. I don't really believe yeah. in that stuff, but I fully believe yeah. it when I think of Jen. Like I think she just like yeah. radiates happiness, radiates positivity. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
don't want to talk about Jen too much, but like it's like when she's like watching the watching the races, she'll record herself watching the races. And yeah, like, her reaction's like, oh my god. Yeah, or when she's out and about and sees like a Moto GP, something related to Moto GP, and she'll film it. Yeah, and stuff she'll like that. find it and stuff like that. Yeah, she's got like a pair of Tony Abelina's boots a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, she's got absolutely going loads of cool stuff. So if you don't follow her, mm. go follow her because GP Sillies is yeah, a really good account. I love her. Yeah, she's fantastic. And no, she's not asked us to. Re- yeah, she's not paid us money either. to <laughs> sit here and <laughs> big her up. No. But she's just fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it's a bit disappointing the racing, to be honest. I think, you know, we saw the whole Jorge Marti in the sprint race thing, and that was massively controversial for many reasons. You had the turn one incident, of course, where multiple riders were affected. Miguel Oliveira went that had an issue. I think he didn't crash, but I think he was. Did he, was he crash? Involved. I'm not sure. But he definitely yeah. crashed. Yeah. yeah, he was definitely involved. Vinyard was involved. Cotterara was involved. Zarco. And crashed, Zarco as well crashed. Yeah. yeah. Like all these riders were involved and had their races kind of ruined by that. And it's interesting because, yeah, of course. It wasn't just, yeah, Oliveira didn't even finish the first lap of the race. I think he did go down. Um, Like, yes, Jorge Martin isn't the only person at fault because Vinales getting his bad start definitely would have contributed towards Mm. that little bunch up at turn one. But Jorge Martin himself said about Mark Marquez, if you're racing with other riders, don't break as if there's no one around you. And then goes and does that. And then knocks Marini off at the chicane. Later on in the race. Yeah, Yeah. later on in the race after not being penalised. And it doesn't make sense because surely you can see that Martin was at fault for most of that first kind of thing. So maybe a long lap penalty for irresponsible riding. And if you're going to forgive that and say, "Uh, it's his first corner, whatever, fine. But then he took Marini out in an audacious dive up the inside. And yes, we like racing. We like MotoGP. We like the variants clashing and things like that. It's fantastic to watch. Like, who was it? One of the races, it may have been in the sprint actually where the the variants collided. I can't remember who it was. I'm not too sure. But I think with the whole thing with, with Martin and yes, rubbing is racing. We know that. Yeah. I actually don't mind seeing it. And I like it. Exactly. <laughs> and fun. we've seen it plenty of times before where riders make contact with each other and riders fall off. That's not where my issue lies. My issue lies in the fact that the stewards this year have been giving penalties out to riders who take other riders off. Fabio Quattararo did the exact same move. I mean, pretty much the exact same move to Lorenzo Salvadori yeah. only a couple laps before and got given a long lap penalty irresponsible riding exactly and everyone's going what irresponsible riding yeah, what, what, what? and then we yeah, see the replay what? and we go alright okay you've been doing that this year in terms of if you touch another rider and they fall off you get a long lap penalty it happened to Darren Binder last week with Jake Dixon he got a long lap penalty I can't think yeah. of any more to like that come to mind but it, it happens and we've seen it this year Jorge Martin did the exact same thing to Luca Marini in front of Valentino Rossi and just <laughs> rode off to the podium and thought, yeah, whatever. And got on the podium. And then goes, like, oh, I thought I should have got a penalty during that race. Eh? What? <laughs> yeah. And then after the race, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll give you a long lap for tomorrow's race. For the turn one but incident. Like, yeah. But it's like, not only that, how can you give Fabio a penalty within minutes of it happening? Mm-hmm. But then you can't, in the same race, but you can't then give anyone else a penalty. No. 
the only thing that I can sort of say is that when the lap one incident happened, it did say that it was going to be reviewed after the race. And you can put your hands up yeah. and go, look, that's fine. You know, you imagine that there's going to be a lot of other stuff happening in the sprint race, you know, track limits and stuff like that. This track are a big thing. So it makes sense um, for that to be reviewed after the race. But it took four hours to make a decision as to what Jorge Martin was doing. And then... Yeah, Fabio gets a long lap penalty within probably a lap for knocking Salvadori off and then Martin knocks Marini off and just walks away unscathed from it. It's just the timings of it and I don't know, it's all a bit strange. And then for the lap one incident to then play in and get a long lap penalty for the for the next race. Like Luca Marini said it after the sprint race, he's like, Jorge Martin shouldn't have been in a position there to take me off my bike. He shouldn't have been there in the first place because he should yeah. have been penalised for his lap one, turn one incident. And it's just like, yeah. And Grassini's press launch after, did you see that? That was, oh my God, yeah. I got the email, I was like, <laughs> and then on social media, they posted a photo of bowling balls as yeah. well. I was like, whoa, they weren't even involved pretty much. Well, Alex yeah. Marcus took a fourth place. I seem, uh, they, for some reason, they seemed to think that Marini was going to fall off or Marquez was going to catch him anyway. So Grassini felt a bit hard done by and they also felt that Jorge Martin shouldn't have been in the position that he was in and yeah they posted a picture of a bowling ball and some bowling pins yeah. and it's like oh this one hasn't gone down too well within the paddock or on twitter no yeah oh god not on twitter especially like and oh who was it maddie scordia um who works for the motorcyclesports.net um she basically posted a story on instagram and i fully agree with it because MotoGP are owned by Dorna and the FIM work in conjunction with Dorna and MotoGP. Dorna own the product of MotoGP. So Dorna own all the licensing, they own the videos, they are the uh, people, the broadcasters, they are the people who, BT for example, will pay Dorna so that they can show their feed on TV. Dorna are the people who organise all the races, all the calendar, each track, everything like that. Everything you can think of about MotoGP in terms of like the product is owned by Dorna. Everything on track, however, in terms of the regulations, in terms of what the bikes can be, how well the bikes can function, you know, like what CC the engine will be, is governed by the FIM, who is like the governing body for everything two wheels, you know, whether it's Supercross, whether it's not BSB because that's privately owned, not Moto America because again, privately owned. A lot of these national comp national championships are private, mm. but if most of the world championships, you know, like I say, like Dakar and stuff like that, is all under the FIM umbrella, which is a federation of motorcycle it's racing. It's like the you know? FIA, if people understand yeah, the FIA. Say, yeah, yeah. If you know what the FIA is, FIM is MotoGP or the Motorcycle World. Sorry, they're equivalent, and the rules in MotoGP and their rule book is set out and governed by the FIM. So the FIM are the people who would, for example, decide that Luca Marini should get a long lap penalty because he hit the green line X amount of times mm. because they made that rule. And Ma Maddie made a very good point. She basically posted thing, something that said, I'll read it out word for word, what I find the most frustrating is that the FIM stewards are having a direct impact on the MotoGP product. I go through this a lot, but there's a clear-cut difference between the FIM and Dorna. The FIM are the external body that govern motorcycling. Dorna own most of GP, like I just said. 
The product, which is Dorna, continually goes through its damage week in, week out because there is no consistency in the governing application. The thing that shocks me the most is that Dorna paid for the privilege. An estimated 80% of the FIM's turnover come from Dorna because they also Dorna also own World Superbike as well. I struggle to understand how this can be allowed to continue and I want to know what protocol is in place. I get it. It's actually not in the hands of Dorna to govern. This is a good thing, I agree. Although, actually I'm going to come to that point in a minute however is there an advisory board is the FIM working with Dorna and the other event business to create a network of stewards down the line or training is being provided to avoid this in the future ultimately the people that are the best at applying law and legislation the people play train for it solicitors barriers judges and even sergeants so if one's the judge what's the solution here because the product doesn't need the damage and based on the evidence we all have there's little to no consistency the very least no explanation as to why help people understand it so they don't have to be so critical and it's true because what the FIM are doing is having a direct impact on MotoGP as the product, MotoGP as the racing. We sit here and we criticise the racing. We go, MotoGP sucked this weekend because of this. You've got Matt Oxley on Twitter has said many times that you know the stewarding and all that is damaging the racing. And it's damaging Dawn as a product because at some point people will turn off their TVs and decide, you know what, I'm just not going to watch MotoGP anymore because it's rubbish because the stewards ruin everything. Why would I want to watch yeah. this? And that's not Dorna's fault, but Dorna will lose money out of it because of the FIM. I just, I, I, I struggle because in World Superbikes, we don't really talk about the stewarding at all. I, I, I mean, I don't really, I can't think of anything that comes to mind straight away when I think of World Superbikes and stewarding, but I literally can think of so many examples of when the stewards decision has taken the spotlight off the racing on track in MotoGP and I that is a worrying worrying thing because they both have the same governing body it's the same stewards in terms of like they all come from the FIM so why is one championship really suffering and the other championship isn't yeah I mean unfortunately <laughs> World Superbike does have the same problems is there, is there an um, issue in motorbikes? And I'm just yes, there also is an issue in motorbikes because at Catalonia this year there was a few issues, and it was Rinaldi and Bassani who smashed into each um. other at turn one, and then Bassani gestated at Rinaldi further on the lap. Bassani then pushed under Rinaldi and just overtook Rinaldi instead, and crashed. He caused Rinaldi to crash. That incident was then investigated. And from what I remember, Bassani, who caused him to crash, didn't get a penalty for yeah. it. Yeah, that was interesting. As a whole, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just clueless. Oh, wait, no, no, say yeah. Rinaldi was given a long that penalty, sorry. But he nearly wasn't thinking mm. about it. Okay. But again, he caused the rider to crash. Nothing. But then Rinaldi didn't get penalised for the first move that was a bit audacious. But there have been, I remember this year, there has been a few issues yeah. around this, that and the other in superbikes. But I mentioned that, you know, maybe it should be done internally and Maddie said that maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe it is a good idea. Look at BSB. Mm. Stuart Higgs runs a fantastic show there. The stewarding is always spot on as well. I can't think of anything in British superbikes recently that where a penalty has been served or been given out stupidly. There have obviously been issues, and there was controversy last year, I remember, with 
Peter Hickman mm. and Jason O'Halloran because that was, I think it was last year. It was when Rory got injured at the same race. Yeah. And Hickman knocked off O'Halloran like twice in the same yeah. corner or something like that. And then uh, Tommy Bridewell then did the same thing and there's a little malarkey about that. But then all the penalties were handed out fairly. But in BSB, they do it really well because they sit the rider down and they go, this is what you've done. This is why you're getting the penalty. And they, it's just a really well-run championship. I don't think yeah. there's any complaints with BSB. Do you wonder if um, in F1, obviously governed by the FIA, they have an issue with stewarding and we're going, this is the stupidest decision I've ever heard. Yeah, It's the same umbrella uh, network as what the FIM are. And we're talking here about issues with stewards, but then you're saying with BSB, a privately run championship. Is that the difference here? That maybe the stewards that are being put in place just aren't up to the job. They, like Maddie said, you know, it should be the correct people. Are these people correctly trained maybe for the job? Are they just thrown in there and expected to look at this rule book? Or are they fooling themselves by having such a strict rule book sort of thing? You know, Mm. because they're taking all these incidents case by case. And if you're working on working with a rule book that's so black and white like that, but then taking something case by case, you're going to struggle and you're going to have issues around that. So, yeah, maybe it's the the governing body that is the issue here because, like I tried to say there, the FIA also have the same problem here, but BSB makes it very clear who's at fault, what your penalty is going to be and when you're going to serve it. And maybe that's all the FIM need to do. Maybe we just need some clarity. We do get emails and press releases and stuff like that of sanctions we don't get all of them we do get a fair amount of them and you know things are explained well but maybe every single one needs a statement like that where the writer has been sat down and and we get the exact thing that the writer has seen and we go okay this is exactly what's been said yeah we don't agree with it but at least there's a bit of clarity around the situation here because at the weekend they just you know leave the track and we're going why did this happen the way that it happened? You know, why did one person get a penalty and one person didn't? We're we're none the wiser to why that happened. Yeah, it's it just doesn't make sense. And there's just a lot of dodgy stuff, to be honest. Well, it's a lot of grey areas in something that should be black and white. You've got a yeah, rule book. Because... Why is there grey areas in a black and white rule book? Yeah, well... Because Matt Oxley basically has said quite strongly, I would say, he um, basically hinted that a potentially MotoGP could, not saying he has, and that they are, just that something could be being fixed in MotoGP. He's going on about, because we had the new scrutineer in like the tyre pressures being Mm. checked, this weekend, according to the new rules, because last year, Mark Slee, very well, he destroyed his relationship with Ducati in the process, but, you know, in the name of journalism, fair play. Yeah. Big respect to it. Um, he, last year, basically sh- uncovered that Ducati were running under the minimum pressures each race and basically accused him of cheating kind of thing. Well, and yeah. So because of that, 
MotoGP have implemented a new thing where you have to check the tyre pressures like before and after a race and every bike has to go in and every tyre is checked. Matt, being a journalist, has to go and do his job and went down there just to see what's going on with the new scrutineers this weekend and he basically has tweeted and said that with a photo of two Dorna employees and then like Bazzetti's bike in the background... Um, he said that he's tried to, again to photo the new MotoGP scrutineers checking tyre pressures according to the new rules. He stood in the pit lane, not in the bay, and was told to go away and then had the Dorna heavies, as he says, threaten me. He says, what is a MotoGP fan to make of this? Because he these are the people who matter. Dorna slash FIM wants to do his basic checks behind closed doors. So how can these checks be trusted? Front tyre pressure is 100% vital to a performance now. It's no minor detail. Alicia Spargo suffered this weekend mm-hmm. because of tyre pressures. So are the rules actually being adhered to? Or are they being fixed whilst no one is watching? It's such an idiotic system. Transparency is all. Stewards and scrutineers need to prove to fans that they're doing everything correctly. There are so many things wrong with MotoGP right now that can easily fix by thought and intelligence. Yeah, you, like, you can't do scrutineering like that behind the closed door. If you've made such a big song and dance about, you know that this has been uncovered. You know now that you're going to have to monitor the tyre pressures. You've made it clear that that's what you're going to do. You can't then say you're doing it and not let anyone see that you're doing it. Like, yeah, you don't, like I don't know. Like, I don't understand tyre pressures, etc., etc. I'm not very technical. But yeah, if people can't literally see you doing the said scrutineering what is the point because which is vital to a race result exactly because no you you lose the trust of your fans you lose the trust of the teams that invest into this championship too and then it's like what what is the point in all, all of us being here and and doing this mm. if yeah. we can't trust the product yeah that's it and there's nothing wrong with maybe wanting to hide the pressures because of whatever with other teams and things like that that's fair enough but like Matt said, just a bit of transparency, a bit of. I mean, we don't need them all yeah. announced to us at the time. No, if we a don't team need is the maybe at all. not complied with the tire pressures, we should I, of, know about it. Of course, it. yeah, the team should be told first, and then the team, you know, then the public should be let know once the team has been let know, and all of us can sort of go, okay, yep, that's happened, and then the team can work towards making sure that that doesn't happen again in the future. But it's all just about transparency. I'm not expecting you know, straight away a message to my phone saying, oh, look here, someone didn't comply with the rules. Just a bit of, no. in this race, this team didn't comply the, with the rules, but we've spoken to that team and, you know, that it'll be checked at the next race sort of thing. Or, you know, they've yeah. been let know or if it happens X amount of times, there'll be a penalty, that sort of thing. That's all that needs to mm. be said and all that needs to be done. I'm not asking for much. It's just transparency at the end of the day. That's it. And like, because if, say, Fabio Cotterara a few years ago was disqualified because of a tyre pressure in Moto2, yeah. and that was just given to everybody, like, yeah, Fabio Cotterara, his tyre's been checked, and he's been disqualified because of wrong tyre pressure. Dominic Agata was disqualified after for a win, I think, in Mazzano a few years ago, again, because of wrong oil in his yeah. engine. And that transparency that we know, yes, he was disqualified, but they've given the specific reason why he was disqualified. And that is so important because when there is this, these accusations of cheating and these accusations of Favoritism. teams and riders, yeah. yeah, like Ducati getting away with the fact that they've having underinflating the tires, which provides the, the tire with more grip mm. through a corner, and also 
can help with the tyre wear as well over the period of a race and fuel consumption sometimes. So with that so clear and obvious that Ducati are kind of bending the rules a little bit, we as fans, after seeing Ducati win week in, week out, I think they've actually, apart from Rins at... Aleish last week. Oh, yeah, Mm. that's it, right. Apart from Aleish and Rins, Ducati have won every single race this year. Yeah. So... You know, there's some. There needs to be a bit of transparency. Of yes, they're winning every race, but they're doing it within the legislation, and here's the proof. Yeah, no one likes to cheat, and we're not trying to say that anyone is cheating. But if things are done behind closed doors, that's how you get cheating accusations. That's how these things happen. Yeah. But it works hand in hand with the the whole stewarding and this grey area. This tire pressure thing is a bit of a grey area, and something that would help massively is just being transparent, giving the people the information, but also just sitting the teams down, you know, talking about it, putting it on a piece of paper, explaining it, and then sending that out in your press release and going, okay, yep, this is what's going on. Everyone can see it. It's then a trusted method. People know why XYZ has been explained and everyone can go, okay, yep, that's cool. I don't maybe agree with what's written down there, but at least we understand the thought process behind it. Yeah, exactly. But... Ah, it just seems like a mess. (laughs) It is, but it's just an easy fix is the thing. And I just don't get why we're not pushing for such an easy fix. Like the the penalty, etc. that got handed out on on Saturday felt very much of an afterthought because of how much crap was being said on social media. It's like, oh God, yeah, we're going to actually have to give him a penalty here. Like that's what it felt like. Mm. It took like four hours or something to be announced after the sprint race. That's not acceptable. And it's just, it's it's, it's such an afterthought and, you know, it makes no difference. It's left a sour taste in everyone's mouth and it really doesn't fit the crime because it's being served in a different race that has no impact on the race that's just happened. So, yeah. Hmm. It is a bit. Exactly. It's We just need some transparency is what we're asking for. Yeah, please. <laughs> it's yeah, not much. Like, it's not much at all. I mean, there may have been a problem this weekend because Nikki Kovacs as responded to Matt that basically said, I've been told otherwise, but Danny Eldridge, the live data transmission is still not working. So it's literally just a manual check at that moment. Later, they can check all the data. The penalty doesn't come that way, at least is what I understand. Mm. And Matt replied with, this is what I, this is it as far as I know. The TPMS data is okay, tire pressure system. But feeding it live to race direction is not. So they cannot go with the 50% rule and have to go with Random checks with a few bikes, which will have TPMS efficiency confirmed by a physical pressure check. So maybe there's just a problem this weekend, and maybe in Catalonia mm. it'll be fine. Yeah, but we just don't know, do we? No, there's just have to see. No confidence in it. Hmm. Absolutely no idea. Yes, um, let's stop being so fun. No, so such <laughs> downers, sorry, should we say? We're not being fun, we're being the opposite. We're being the complete um, opposite. Yeah, so another thing, well, we'll go into a bit of silly season for a minute. So Johan Zarko has been officially confirmed to leaving Pramac this year after rumours of LCR Honda offering him a contract with double his current salary on it. As a guy in his end of his career, I don't blame him whatsoever for accepting an offer like that. 
No, I to mean, your deal. you've got to do what you've got to do. Um, TNT Sports spoke to Lucio Cecinello before the race on Sunday and he said that a contract had been sent Zarco's way. All they were waiting on was him signing it. Then, obviously, later on in the day, we hear that he's that he's leaving Pramac. I mean, we still haven't got official confirmation that he's going to LCR. Um, no, just that he's leaving Pramac. But, I mean hearing it from the team boss himself that he sent the contract his way, you sort of imagine that that's where he's going to go. And Zarco said himself he was sort of sick of the one-year deals at Ducati. He was looking for more security and and getting that two-year deal. So it makes sense. Um, mm. I think he's sort of been in the shadows in that team. He's been a second-place man um, for a long time there. And I think stepping to LCR Honda, he can be the number one man and the man that you know the team listened to and... And make the changes and, yeah, be the number one rider in a team. Yeah, exactly. And on the crash.net, I've basically confirmed that Zarco may not have even been in Pramac next year, even if he'd stayed at Ducati. Yeah. Because there's lots of talk of Franco Morbidelli coming in to replace. Well, Franco Morbidelli was originally and Bears. kind of earmarked. Yeah, yeah, Franco was originally earmarked for VR46, but Bez is desperate to stay there I mean Valentino Rossi is also pushing Bez to stay at VR46 which is not a bad thing because Bez will get 24 to Cathy next well, year well I think that's what they're pushing for and to yeah, be fair from, get the same yeah, from Valentino's side of thing you've got something that's not broken why try and yeah, fix so why it? Change it yeah so he's going and I want to keep these two which makes a lot of sense plus there is also still the rumours that Valentino does eventually want to move that squad to a Yamaha which yeah. Frankie's just destroyed his contract with so yeah <laughs> makes sense that's it and Ducati have yeah. made it like obvious that if Frankie was to sign a deal with him they'd be more than happy like they want him there so for some reason he's getting the promotion of his life if it's to come true Frankie Morbidelli which yeah. I'd be really excited about but yeah it's it's yeah, all sort of weirdly fitting into place yeah because that's the thing, because Franco, yeah, he might not be in VR46, but he gets a guaranteed factory bike yeah. in the Pramac squad next year, next to Jorge Martí, which is not a bad thing. I no. think I could actually, and Frankie, have you seen his interview that he did with Jack Appleyard? I've seen a bit of it, where he was like, I where don't know what he said, but... He said it was like, because Jack was like asking questions, and Frankie was literally as cool, as calm yeah. as you get, it was like... I know it's your job as a as a reporter to get this information out of me, but just be patient, just relax. <laughs> and Jack was like, Jack was like, so are you saying Frankie says telling me to react? Are you saying that Frankie? And Frankie was like, yes, I'm telling you to react, relax. And I was like, that is so cool. <laughs> he is like the coolest guy on the grid, in fairness. Yeah. So, but he's ace. Yeah, it all makes sense. Him leaving Yamaha. Alex Rins leaving LCR to go to Yamaha. Johan Zarco leaving Pramac to Cali to go to LCR. And now Frankie Morbidelli, the top spot to go to Pramac. It's the weirdest little way yeah, about it. Kind of works. Like the it's roundabout like... way, but it all works and it all fits yeah. into place. And I'm sort of going, I really want to see this next year. So let's get these yeah. announcements coming. Yeah, well, I think Zarco's almost 100% yeah. at Ducati because he said, no, at Honda, because he said to MotoGB.com that he had a few weeks to think about it. Despite doing good results for three years with Pramac, it's been tough to sign again for Ducati, for Honda. Again now, <clears throat> saying that there are many competitive Ducatis, many young guys, so it seems 
it was tough to have another signature, even if it was not sure if we were going to be with Pramac or another team. And then he says, so the offer and discussion with Honda and Chichello is very interesting. Get the opportunity to have a project for two years because they'll get a two-year yeah. contract. At 33 years old, with double his salary. Yeah. You know, he's in his last years of his MotoGP career now. So if he can get as much money as he can to sort him for the rest of his life, he's going to take it. Well, as much money, the possibility of maybe test rider roles afterwards, you know, just because you retire yeah. at, say, 35, maybe maybe this last next two years is his last two years. If he puts himself yeah. in a team, can turn the bike around or start turning the bike around, you know, there's test rider roles on the go. Maybe he wants to get snapped up by another team for test rider roles, you know. You're always yeah. thinking of life after racing too, so... Yeah, you are. There's That's it. And a lot to it. Yeah, 100%. And he basically said... Because I was thinking about KTM when he stormed mm. at KTM. But he basically said that he's grown a lot since 2019 and he had the difficult experience with KTM. And then backed up saying, Honda is another story. Yes, they're struggling now. They don't have a winning bike right now. But they're still Honda and they have the power to come back if they find the right way for development. Yeah. And he said he'd be very proud if he can puff be part of this and if he can perform so it's pretty much guaranteed he raced for them in 2019 left a very good impression on Lucio Ciccinello as well he actually did some very good results although yeah. he crashed twice of them um, and had an issue with La Corona I think he did very well on the Honda yeah well I sort of thought so, that Iker Lacuna was maybe a shoe in for the seat He's still a shoe in for, for the factory. Repsol yeah. Seat. Mm -hmm. yeah, because Carlo Pernat has said today that you and Mir will ride for Grassini next year. What? And that and that opens the spot for La Corona. But Pernat says all sorts of malarkey. That he also doesn't says make... Tony Abolino would also go to Grassini. No, so. That makes no sense whatsoever because all the rumours I were hearing at the weekend were Tony Abolino and Jake Dixon being the two names for the Grassini seat. Mm. because, I mean, there's no one else, really, unless you start bringing outsiders in from, like, yeah. other championships or something, which is a bit random. Yeah, you don't want to do that. But, like, it's interesting. If, say, he does leave Yomir for a Ducati, that is two factory riders, a.k.a. Man Franco Morbidelli and Mir, who are willing to throw in the towel on a Japanese factory contract to go ride in a satellite team, on maybe one-year-old machinery just because but it's one-year-old winning machinery is the difference yeah if it was a well, year-old yamaha in 2019 you'd go yeah okay yeah. yeah you would yeah that's the thing but there's also talk again very tiny like it's going to be probably going to be franco morbidelli primo but somebody hinted earlier i can't remember where it was about mark marquez going to Pramac. And oh, someone, do you know, someone's been saying that on Twitter too. And for the life of me, I can't remember who it is, or maybe multiple people have been saying Ricard it. Hove. I've just found it, Ricard Hove. No, there's someone else has also been saying that oh. um, the Marquez's, his, their father has been hanging around the Grassini garage a lot more than he's been hanging around the Honda garage. Like, that's how wild these rumours are getting with the fact that, mm. I don't know his name, but he's been hanging around um, Alex's team. Is it... Yeah, what, Marquez's manager? Yeah, no, his dad. Oh, yeah, what's his name? I can't think. Goodness me. But their dad remember. has been hanging around more with Alex, and since both of them have been in... Julia. Yeah, since both Julia. of them have been in MotoGP, you've seen... He's always been he's in the Repsol garage. He's always been in the Repsol garage. Any documentary that you see, he's always in the Repsol garage. 
um, when the boys were growing up and Mark moved up to MotoGP, you know, you see him sitting there with his wee crossed fingers. But apparently, this weekend, he was in Grassini a lot. So people have read into that mm. and have gone, Mark Marquez is going to be on a Ducati next year. Or he's just going wherever the fastest brothers go. <laughs> yeah, maybe Mark's been like, can you stop annoying me for once and go see Alex? Well, yeah, Ricard Hove. Well, I don't know what motor ZN is, but I'm assuming it's part of Zone because Zone obviously have the Spanish rights for MotoGP, basically said that, yes, Mark Marquez at Pramac. For me, the question is including this, Enea Bastianini at Pramac and the official Ducati for Mark <laughs> is MotoGP fiction, but, hmm, is what he said. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, Enea has struggled this oh, year, hasn't massively. he? massively. Like, I don't know, you sort of gave him... The benefit of the doubt. I mean, obviously, he broke his collarbone first half of the season yeah, before but he's the not summer break. Anymore. That's the thing. He said that he's not injured, before yeah. the summer break, you could totally go. Anytime you come back here, you're not going to get 100% in there, Bashanini. But I'm really, really struggling to see at this point now what is going on. But the thing is, Jorge Martin has not been like he's been better this year, but still not like what you would want on your on your second factory see I don't think anyway so Enea Bashanini is going to be clinging on to that for dear life once this two years are up yeah oh absolutely if he doesn't improve I think he'll stay in the cutting next year but it's like a you need to be winning fighting for the championship yeah well you need to you know, yeah you're... you need to be like assisting Peko or doing yeah. better than Peko sort of thing and he's not doing either <laughs> of those Jorge Lorenzo was sacked because he wasn't going to win the championship kind of thing yeah. Petrucci was sacked because he wasn't at that very you know wasn't getting it there Jack Miller was sacked because he wasn't getting the results that yeah. they wanted and Bastini's coming and is doing worse than Miller was last well, year well the, the whole thing was is that the two of them were meant to be one and two in the championship and I yeah. don't know if they're what, we even said yeah. before exactly. like, they're going to be one two what order it's going to be in I don't know what team orders are going to come into play I don't know but it's going to be a factory Ducati one two this year and pff, I can't see it happening this year or next no. year no I can't not in this rate or it'll be a, it'll be a, well it will be a Ducati one two it'll probably be a Ducati one two three but it'll be it'll be Bagnaia Martin and Bezzecchi yeah and maybe a possible KTM, um, depending on yeah, Mr. Brad Binder. But Binder. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit weird. Who has renewed for 2026. Oh my God, that's mental. But do you know what they're doing? They're just taking the um, story off the fact that they haven't announced Pedro Acosta yet. They've nowhere for him still. Yeah. And they've just well, gone, do you know what? We're at our home race. We should be announcing all our contracts, but we can't because we've nowhere to put Pedro. All yeah. our riders have said they're staying. We've signed all our riders to stay. What are we going to do? Let's announce that we've actually signed Brad Bender for three more years on yeah. the back of his last three-year contract. Yeah, well, because he was already signed to 2025, end of 25. So just to slap another year on it to make it in line. Well, I thought it was else. only the end. I thought it was the end of 24. No, it's 25, oh yeah. God. End of 25. And they just wiped another year on it. But because uh, Augusto Fernandez said he's definitely in Gas Gas Tech 3 next year, 100%. But Paul Spargo then, said the same thing. Yeah, but so now people are looking at Jack Miller. Well, this is the interesting thing. Who is thing. struggling a little yeah. bit. Yeah, Jack Miller it seems. put it in reverse this weekend and thanks to Bad Money yeah, GP memes like, for all the funny yeah, memes on brilliant. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he did, he just completely... He was third and then 15th, funny. Like, 
horrific, actually. And it's funny like, because we backed him so much when he was in the Ducati school. We were like, why are Ducati getting rid of him? And then we're going, okay, actually, KTM's a really good move for him. Really good team, yeah. me and Brad Bender. And he showed promises of, like, good racing. And he's qualified yeah, well. Yeah, he's always got podium. Off the line, really good. Like, his starts are incredible. And then all of a sudden, 15th. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit weird. It doesn't make sense, like... It's like Vinales kind of going backwards a little bit in the um, opening laps of the race. It's yeah, the two of them are very strange. similar. Actually, I, I would put the two of them in the same boat. They're having the same time at the minute, by the looks of it. Yeah, but the thing is, like Binder, um, like Binder can battle for the front three. Yeah, but why can't Jack? Jack burns his tyres up. Yeah. Jack said that like two races ago they changed something it doesn't seem to be working. Yeah. Like obviously it's not working but like Paul Spargo was sixth in the sprint race. Unbelievable. And he's, he had no energy he said he, was, he said he was zapped after the sprint race. Yeah I mean you can see it in his performance on Sunday but that's just a lack yeah. of not being on the bike. I mean the fact yeah. that he finished the, gonna... yeah, the sprint race so high up what what can you expect? He's been out for you know however yeah, many like, months. The only way you're going to gain that fitness is by riding the bike yeah. and if you've only had is then the second time you've done it this season properly then yeah mm. Jack seems pretty yeah. confident he was staying yeah because well there was talk because Brad Binder obviously had that contract renewal mm. and there was talk that there was going to be another one for Jack on the table yeah but I don't like you say about Costa. I don't know what's going to happen with Costa because they said that Pernat, I think it was on Friday, not Pernat, Espilicueta again has cancelled or denied KTM's opportunity to have a fifth bike on the yeah. grid, despite Pit Byra saying to service, service, who are the German people oh, yeah, from Service OGP, TV, yeah. Service TV, that's it. That They've got a fifth bike, they yeah. Were, they, they were going to have a fifth bike, and they said that at Silverstone to, on live TV. And Pip Byra said that, you know, the CEO of the Pyra Motor Group who owned Husqvarna, KTM and Gas Gas. I mean, Husqvarna would make sense. Um, Husqvarna would be amazing. I just think it would look incredible as well. Oh, it'd look um, amazing, yeah. So it, it does make sense in that putting five or six bikes, KTM bikes on the grid, it does make sense. Um, and obviously there was the whole Marquez and Acosta rumours that they would be the riders on those bikes. Um it does make sense, but it's so contradicting. I think the fact that we've not had any announcement of said possible fifth bike you know, or where Pedro Costa is going, I think they thought they were being slick by announcing Brad Binder yeah. for another year, but, I mean, we're not that dull, it's just deflection, unfortunately, and you're sure to go in. I can't in. lie. Mm. I didn't even realise that until you said it, so I feel How a bit did dull. you not? Oh, <laughs> my God. To be fair, I only thought about it today. When I've been thinking about things oh, okay. to talk about on the podcast. Um, but when you actually sit down and think about it, you're going, no other KTM, KTM announcements were made. So all these people saying that they're safe and secure. The only person who's actually safe and secure is Brad Binder, Brad Binder. who has put pen to paper. Otherwise, yeah. I don't want to know what's being talked about right now because they no. are going to be worried. Well, because there was a thing I heard on the grapevine about Paul Spargo maybe being maybe being a reserve rider, yeah, for KTM next year, like Jonas Volger is now, and being a test rider, and if any riders out for a round or two, then Paul can step in and be that. Yeah. But Paul has a 
deal for next year. I think that one, and I think we've mentioned it before, that all depends on Paul's fitness and his desire to still want to race come next year. You know, if he has another big crash, God knows what could happen. You know what? You know what I mean? But like yeah. his desire to want to keep racing, I think he will have to question himself a lot in this second half of the season because it's going to be tough for him. Is this still really what he wants to do and put his body through? You know, he's got a family and everything. He's going to have a lot of questions to ask himself, is this something that he still wants to do? Then a test rider role or a you know a reserve rider role might be the best thing for him come next year. But if he still wants to race and has a contract signed, that's going to be so shitty on one of maybe three riders that you're going to have to go, well, yeah. I'm sorry, we're exterminating your contract or terminating your contract early. Yeah, exterminate. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, well, because KTM have said again this weekend that they've made the mistake of ditching a rookie after one year and they're not going to do that again. So Augusto is safe, I'm going to assume. So I'd say Binder and Augusto are safe. Miller, yeah, Miller and Paul are the disposable ones here. But it depends what performance clauses they've got in their contracts as well because Miller isn't performing as well as Oliveira did. Oliveira won two races last year. Hold can be excused because of performance, but Miller... But, I mean, his performance since coming back has been good, all things yeah. considered. And when yeah, compared Paul's to his fine. teammate, you know, there's a lot of things yeah, that Paul's, play into that. Paul's probably going to hit that performance clause, yeah. I think. If he's done it all year, the I only could thing, see a podium or two. Yeah, the only thing I can think is is they genuinely do buy someone out of their contract because they've no other choice. Yeah, but because if they don't... Pedro Costa can sign to anyone he wants because he's his contract that he signed when he was in Moto Three for the next Moto Two season was two years of Moto Two and a Moto GP in twenty twenty four. That was written in stone on his contract. Yeah, and there's performance based things in that. But Pedroza, Pedroza, (laughs) Acosta, Pedro Acosta is leading the standings, so his performance is fine. Yeah, his, so his performance can, has never been under question. Is so he issue. can walk. The thing I'm thinking of, he has every right to approach Primark Ducati right now and go, look, KTM can't sort me out. Oh, I never even you. thought of that. Yeah. Based on Frankie's reaction, um, I'm going to say no. But Yeah, um, KTM, he'd just pull a rug. Of course, I'd pull a rug out under everyone's feet, wouldn't he? <laughs> If you did that. Because so many things are sort of looking set in stone now. I'm so, yeah, the only place that I can still see obviously there's a Grissini seat, but I don't I don't really mm. see that. But a Repsol Honda is still in my mind sort of slightly want that. ahead. He want that. And of course you don't want that. But a year ago, I mean I talked about it a couple of weeks ago on this podcast. I just think it would work so well if the bike was just not shitbox. Yeah, but yeah, but anyone can't. Yeah, yeah, I know. But <laughs> if like, the bike wasn't crap. Marcus would be champion. Yeah, but the, think of the bike in the likes of 2019 with Pedro Costa on it. One can yeah, dream. Oh yeah, that, okay. That 2019 bike with a Costa on it would have been super. Yeah, it'd have been amazing to watch. But I don't know. Yeah, Honda are trying all these new fancy wings, which seem to be they were homologated at Silverstone. Did a lot of tests on it. I don't know if they ran it on Saturday or Sunday. Um, they ran it at some Let's point, and Marquez was faster. So 
Yeah, I'll have a look at the media images and just have a look. Um, but no, I don't know if they ran it on race day. Speaking of Mark Marquez, he uh, finished his first Grand Prix since Malaysia. Yeah, his first 301 days. Oh, God. Which is nuts. But it was quite funny, actually, because Marcos Ramirez, who has replaced SDK at American Racing, because... Um, it's very glad to see that SDK has been sacked, unfortunately, which is a disgrace, but we haven't got a podcast long enough to talk about that. Um, That's podcast but, itself. Yeah, but SDK's replacement, Marcos Ramirez, is back on the Calex, and he tweeted, because who was it who tweeted? Somebody re- basically tweeted the fact that, yeah, 301 days after, Mark Marquez returns to points. And this is like something, the big thing, I can't be bothered to read it out, but Marcus Ramirez replied to it saying, I had more than 365 days without scoring a point, but where's my title? <laughs> <laughs> and Alesh replied to it and said, the line with his new KLX is out hunting. Get ready. <laughs> kind <of thing. laughs> Which I thought was quite funny. Alesh probably <laughs> knows all about that. Not yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. yeah, I think Marquez even made a joke about, like, why are we celebrating? 12th place like yeah. a win like it's a bit embarrassing like I think he knew well, himself it was a bit like mm. well apparently Honda's like socials were like acting like a woman won a race or something yeah exactly so I think he's a bit sort of like mm, this is let's not be pushing this here there and everywhere like yeah I finished in the points in my first race GP since mm. Malaysia but like that's a statistic you don't want to be celebrated no, exactly. Yeah, they did run the wings on the race, by the way. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And mm, Amir has finished <sighs> one Grand Prix in the Portimao this year and has crashed out, will not finish every other one. He came out and said on Thursday, Mir basically said, the, I'll read the actual quote out if I can scroll down far enough to find it quickly. Um, yeah. Let's have a look. There are a few things I want to say at the end of the podcast Mm. as well. But he said that... I'll read the quote. Mir said, I accept the situation I'm in. Before, I didn't want to accept it. Obviously, come from a competitive Suzuki Mm -hmm. to this. Being forced to do it. I was turning things around, but it's true that at one moment, I thought seriously about stopping. Not because I wanted to go with another bike, but because I was mentally collapsing now I'm not in this situation. I know if I'll stop, I'll regret it a lot in the future. I want to keep trying. So Mir's thought about stopping. He's not even near 30 yet, is he? He's what, like 26, 27? 24. Oh. He's young. So Let's have a look. Young Mir. It might be 25. Maybe 25. Yeah, 25. Oh my God. He's 26 in uh, next Friday. Oh my God. I thought he was maybe a year You're older th- than that. I think I may be thinking no. of Alex Rins. Um That's ridiculous. I think at that age to have thought, do you know what? Let's just pack it all in. Because he's right, he would regret well, the, that in later life. Yeah, he would. And the fact that Marquez is as glum and as uh, as he looks as well, like Mark Marquez never settles to twelfth place ever. No, he's not Mark Marquez ever anymore. in his career, and now he's just a shell of himself. The Honda is ruining people's but the, careers But the difference is, is that he's had so much more experience in the class than Johan Mir. So you're sort of going, if Mark talks about 
you know the thoughts of retirement which he has openly said he's had before with the injury and stuff like that you can sort of go yeah I mean you've won eight world titles you can sort of go that's fair if you're thinking about packing it all in but for Mayer who's won one in a year that a lot of people sort of disregard in regards of championships I'd be like no I'm staying until I win another one and prove to everyone that you know that wasn't a fluke and it's just I wasn't you know yeah yeah I don't know that's so heartbreaking to to read and you can laugh at him every week that you're sort of going oh Mir's crashed again but when you actually Mm. hear it from the writer that they were thinking about retiring you know that well they yeah because people forget that these people are human yeah you know these guys yeah of course they paid millions to have motorbikes around a track and every one of us would be a bit jealous about it but it's a, still a career and you know if you're in your job I don't know what everybody's job out there is there's a lot of you listening so <laughs> I don't know what your jobs are but I'm sure everybody who's listening has probably had that job in their life where they're sick of it you know yeah they hate it and they're like you know you don't want to get up in the morning and go and do that job because it's just like oh and you slug through it all day and you're like I hate this I want to be anywhere but this and it just feels like it's never ending and that never ending cycle of it it doesn't matter how much you're paid or what you do as your trade, you can still get that feeling. But it doesn't even matter yeah. if it's your dream job. You can still yeah. get days or periods yeah. where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And the only difference is, the difference between, say, me and your and me is I, if I'm sick of my job, can have my notice in and within a month be out of there. Yeah. Your and me is tied in until the 31st of December 2024. And has faces massive financial penalties to get out of that. Yeah, unless you're in a position to financially get yourself out of that or are willing to financially get yourself yeah. out of that. Or your team finally yeah. go, do you know what? Actually, I think it's best if we part ways. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're sort of, you do. You have to pick yourself up out of that slump and go, well, we're in it for the long haul here. We've got to do something about yeah. it. That's it, because there was a rider in Repsol Honda a few years ago um, you know, one of the greatest riders of our generation was in the exact same situation. Couldn't really afford to get himself out of that. So what did he did? The uh, five-time world champion Jorge Lorenzo retired, yeah. despite potentially being able to, if he was on a competitive competitive bike, win races. He literally won races less than a calendar year prior. He yeah on the Ducati. I think that was mad from Lorenzo and fairness because obviously he moved to Ducati. And it started to work. Leaves to Cali. Don't know why he left, but um, he jumped before he was pushed, basically, because yeah. they replaced him with Petrucci. Yeah. So then he goes to Honda, which at this stage is still the best bike or one of the best bikes on the grid. And again, mm. two years there, and he struggles. And he did have some performances where he showed that turnaround and the potential that if you just keep going here, it's all going to click into place. And I just went, no. Mm. But again, at that point, he'd won the championships. You know, he'd won five. Yeah. It, was he going to yeah. win anymore or was he just going to win a handful of races here and there? Races, yeah. That's easy. Well, that's you have thing, to weigh like, that up. Yeah, but Lorenzo didn't even crack a top 10 in the. And not only that, he didn't even do two years at Honda. He did one and was like, this is too bad. I'm not even going to race next year. I'm going to retire instead. That's how bad it was for him. Do you know who did the best thing? Danny Pedroza. Oh, yeah, he did great, didn't he? Job just as it was just getting Just at the bad, right time, he? he goes, you know what? Yeah. I am out of here. Didn't bother I'm moving around. 
just went, no, I'm done. You nearly went to a Yamaha. Yeah, landed the best bloody test riding rule on the grid and is literally living the life. Yeah, he's like still, because he can retain being a Red Bull athlete as well. So he gets to do his Red Bull promotion and yeah. get paid by Red Bull still. And KTM will pay him X amount and he can do his wild cards when he wants to. Which he, he doesn't really home. want to do, but he does anyway. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think after Haref, he's like, you know what? Yeah, might as well. <laughs> yeah, he said um, it before he doesn't really care about the races, but yeah, he's like, top yeah. 10. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, you know what? FP1, yeah, I'm getting first. I'm topping but, it, yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah, he's living the dream. And Lorenzo tried that with Yamaha and turned up to the test completely unfit and was miles off the pace, and Yamaha sacked him. Which... So it just depends. Lorenzo clearly lost the love completely for it. Now he races cars and finishes nearly last, and that's fine if he gets that enjoyment from racing still and he can afford it. Then well, yeah, at that stage you just have to be. You have to make the choice of doing what you love to do, and everyone should have yeah. the chance to do that at some point in their life. Yeah, yeah. and difference to a team like Lorenzo and everybody else is Lorenzo is still racing, of course. But he's not riding a motor for a factory MotoGP team or demanding him to win races. Yeah. He's now just driving in the Porsche Carrera Cup, which is a support race for the F1 series. So he gets to attend every F1 round as a driver, sit on the grids, live a life in luxury behind the scenes because there's millions of pounds yeah. or euros, and just drive cars and finish last. It doesn't matter if he finishes last because he's just there to have a bit of fun and take part, and that's all that matters, you know. And find the love again for racing and riders like me it was struggling in that situation they it's difficult to find your way out of it i guess especially when you're faced with a year and a half of more of that crap yeah it's difficult to find your way in somewhere else you know contracts are starting to be signed um at other places um you know you'd have to have a team willing to you know help buy you out sort of thing is World Superbike somewhere that you want to go? Is another championship somewhere that you really want to go? Do you want to put yourself through that? There's so much that we don't even think about that he must have thought about. He's going, where else can I go here? Is it actually attainable? Can I achieve that? Or is it best just to pick myself up and, and finish this two years and then see where I can go? Yeah, because... The issue is, like, with, with his results at the moment, no one maybe will want to try and hire him because... No. Why would you? <laughs> Not at this stage. Yeah, it's looking no. more and more likely that Honda will turn around and be like, we don't want you to race for us anymore. But then who would Honda hire? That's, I don't again, know, because then you've got the one. issue of they've got a bad bike at the minute, so they don't really have the luxury of bringing whoever they want in. No. So... It's, it really is just stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, it's it? a double-edged sword at the minute. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's no real way out for a lot of these guys apart from just sticking with it. Yeah. And Mir was kind of forced into it. There was no... It's not like he could have had gone somewhere else. It was Mir, it was Honda or nothing. Well, yeah, it was is, It was the, the open seat on the grid last year and it made sense. Seat, really. Yeah, yeah. And especially seeing Rins higher be, go to Yamaha, that would have killed him inside because at least Rins gets a chance to just do something else and maybe give something else a crack and get out of that. But that's all and it took. Rins, that's all it took was that yeah. performance in Coda probably and Frankie yeah. sort of saying, I'm sort of sick of this here and it works well that my contract's up at the end of the year. Like 
it just fell into place that Rins had that good performance and maybe a couple others under his belt. Because if, if Mir had had that, you never know. It could have been Mir that we're talking yeah. about and Rins being stuck in the situation of Honda. Yeah, and not only in, in addition to that, you see Mir all down in the dumps and letting the reps over the pressure. And then you've got Rins having a hell of a time in the LCR garage, just living it up. I'm, su- you know, I'm surprised he's there, leaving because like, yeah. he looks like he gets on with everyone really yeah, well. But I suppose like if you've got, if Hon- or if Yamaha came to him going, we're looking for a rider next year, you're not going to turn down a factory seat. I don't know how it came about, but it was absolutely, it's a great, great opportunity for him to be back in a factory team where he deserves to be. But he looks like he really gets on with the team at LCR. Whereas Mir yeah, does. doesn't look like he gets on great. But that's all <laughs> results-based too. You know, it's going to be tough for everyone to get on with each other if you're crashing every week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's just one of those things, isn't it? Mm. Mm, right, should we move to Moto3, 2 and then do our predictions? Sure. I don't even remember what we talked about. Yeah, this title's going to be hard to write, yeah. but... Um, Stewart. So we'll start with Moto three and yeah, and um, transfer news, shall we yeah. say, with snipers potentially signing David Almanza, who will wildcard at Catalonia as well with the Fine Network Mir squad, and additional to that, Luca Lanetta, who has raced last year for the CJ Moto squad as a replacement rider in Assen, will ride for the Six Fifty Eight squad, and. Lunetta's number is actually 58 and he has been given permission by Paolo Simicelli to use the 58. Has he actually? Yeah, that's not like confirmed, confirmed, but that's what I've been told, yeah. Oh, see, I'd heard that he'd put a request in for it, but I thought the number was retired. In MotoGP ah, classes. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Because Juan Juan Gravara ran it a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, mm, yeah. That would be nice. Yeah, I like, apparently it's been confirmed. It's been allowed to use it but again we'll wait for the official yeah. announcement and we'll wait to see the r- number rostrum listed next year but that'd be really nice if that was the it'd case. just be a nice touch yeah and Lanetta did a little hint today of him training and his bike in the background was an old um honda i think it's an nsf nsr 50 which is like a little training bike in the simicelli livery as well <laughs> and so that's pretty much confirmed it okay good to yeah know. a little hint yeah but Motor 3 was a good race, a great battle actually, between five and then four riders with... Well, it should have been six riders, name? but yeah. It should, yeah. But David Alonso crashed after just taking the lead, which is a shame because after his win in Silverstone, he looked really good this weekend. I also predicted him on the podium. Oh. But I'm yeah, lucky. it's quite ironic actually. Yeah, because at Silverstone, he went from last to first and then here he went from first then remounted and finished last. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just keeping like, it keeping him humble. It's what you need to do. You don't want it yeah, to get to his head. It. Don't get too cocky. But a rider who definitely has impressed was Colin Vire. Mm. He's done well all year. He was very good in the Rebel Rookies last year. He was also the, um, I think the runner-up in the Junior Moto Three World Championship last year. I think so. I I feel like I heard someone say that. I think he was a runner-up in Rookies last year as well. Or well, maybe it was Rookies. They were talking about it on BT Sport, but I clearly wasn't paying attention. Oh, yeah, it was Salvador. And where was Via Six? But he did win two races, that's right. Hmm. And then it was the Rebel Rookies runner-up. Ah. 
Yeah, um, he nearly won it the last round, but Rader pipped him. But very good rider is Colin Vier. He was riding a really old IGR KTM last year and still was winning races on it. He was also the first Dutchman to take pole position in all classes since 1999. Wow. With, I believe, Zonta van der Gerberg's dad, uh, Jürgen van der Gerberg. Oh, nearly. I butchered his name. Um, Jürgen van der Gerberg being the most recent Dutch pole position prior to Zon. Prior to Zonta, prior to Colin Vier, sorry. We're yeah, recording this little... late again, so sorry everyone. Yeah, it's <laughs> nearly 11 o'clock at night, sorry. But did you know there's a f- 0.005 second difference between Onchu and Holgado? I thought Holgado would want it. I'm not going to lie. It was so close. And the fact that there was actually in them between Sasaki and Vaya was 0.017 as well. Yeah, I mean, what a race by all yeah. of them. That top four were incredible. And yeah. I really think Moodle 3 riders have all taken a step up. Like, for sh- like yeah. there was no violence. There was no mad crashes. Messiah was the only no. DNF with a mechanical problem. Yeah, he didn't he call a big crash? Though, didn't he, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, almost. But thankfully, everyone yeah. was able to avoid that. But... I mean, Messiah was a sitting duck at that point, but yeah. yeah. Um, but that top four were just absolutely incredible. Someone had to miss out in the podium, and I'm annoyed that it was Colin Vara that that missed out. But yeah, I think maybe that. just the experience of the three in front of him. Um, someone did say that they thought he maybe rolled off in the last corner, so Suzaki could finish ahead of him. But I'm not. I don't know about that. Um, mm. But yeah, Dennis Onshu. Incredible. We did sort of say that once he'd won one, he would just... He would go and do another yeah. one. Yeah. And I'm glad that he's got one in quick concession. That'll be good for the confidence. Yeah, that'll be good. Especially because he's shot up the championship standings now yeah. to third. He's a little bit off. He's, what is it, 161 minus 124. 37 points back. That's not that much. But he can claw that back. 10 rounds to go, he can claw that back, I think. Sasaki's not far off, but Hoggardo is literally flying off in the distance it seemed at the moment well it he did everything right he had obviously his bad round in Arson and has done everything right yeah. since you know yeah that's it because he's been on the podium I believe I'm just getting it up oh yeah every no he hasn't but he's been on every been on the podium every round since Le Mans barring Arson he got first first third 25th third second yeah I mean so you went yeah, championships but Sasaki's taken six consecutive podiums. But, yeah, podiums are great, but if you're losing out to the championship leader, if he if you're finishing mm. third and he's finishing second, you're not going to win a championship. That's it, because the first two, France and Italy, were won by Helgado. Sasaki was second, third, but then, every round since, Sasaki's clawed that gap down. Yeah. Because it was Messia in second, now he's down to fifth. He's had it rough, but, yeah. Yeah, he has. But Sasaki in the last four rounds, I compared to Holgado. Sasaki second, Holgado third, Sasaki second, Holgado twenty fifth, Sasaki second, Holgado third. But then only just in Austria, Holgado second, Sasaki third. So, I mean, Arsen was the big one where everyone mm, scored points on Holgado. Yeah, but if Sasaki can keep this up. And keep that kind of consistency up. I think he could claw it back to Holgado. He needs to win. 
is my opinion. Yeah, it does. Because I just feel, it, out of that four, I went, Suzaki's going to be the one missing out here. And mm. he almost is. And he was. Because, like, Hogada led every lap, but, like, Sasaki would get past him, but then he would show him all kind of the tricks of where to get him and where he knew he could get yeah, him. Yeah, and then you've got Dennis Onchu. could just blab off. Yeah, and then you've got Onchu behind looking and going, oh, even better, watching both of I them bomb you show in. their hands and you're going, <laughs> yeah, look at these idiots. I know exactly <laughs> what I need to do. And he did it by yeah. 0.00 whatever, 5. You know, yeah. that's... Yeah, because on the pr- lap prior to the final lap... Like, uh, I watched Holgado, and Holgado knew that if he had left that last corner, he could just about make it to the line, but Sasaki knew that he could beat him to turn one. Yeah. Sasaki knew already that he needed to be ahead of Holgado by that by that last corner, yeah. and he, he did take him at turn one again, but then as the lap went on, there were, there were was, bits, able, was able to push past yeah, him. Yeah, there were bits that Holgado was stronger, and there were bits where Sasaki yeah. was stronger, so obviously... Obviously, Holgado, once he went into second place, was going to go, I know where you're weak here, so I'm going to, because I'm strong here, so I'm going to pass you. And that's exactly what happened. And yeah, Desanchi mm. was able to run, rub his hands together and go, Thanks very much for the win, guys. Yeah, that's it. And um, yeah, it was a good win. Um, and the championship in Moto 3 is Holgado, Sasaki, Onchu, Tolo, Mazia. So, yeah, aren't you the one to look out top. for in all of this? Yeah, he is. He's a rising star, yeah. as he's saying. But there's been some rumors and confirmations as well as we step into Motor 2 that Jamie Messia will be raiding for SAG next year, Motor 2, which is an odd one. <sighs> doing, they're not really a front runners, and I would expect them to be at like Ital Trans or something, yeah. but. I mean, yeah, you definitely spoke about him going to Ital Trans, but... He did test it, apparently. Yeah. With Jamie Messia, it's very clear that it's been tough for him to find a step up into Moodle 2, and I think that this opportunity is a rose, and he's obviously jumped at it. So yeah. I just hope that he can get in there, show some potential, and another team go, oh, actually, yeah, we should put you in our team, and he will then step up in Moto 2 that way which we've seen riders do before so I'm just hoping it's not a bad decision yeah exactly and another rider who's rumoured to go up and apparently the deal was signed this weekend was uh, Dennis Onshu with the IO Moto 2 squad I could see it I could very much see it probably the reason he went to IO in the first place was a contract for next year yeah okay 2024 I mean there could be two seats free they could. Mm-hmm. Danny Holgado could get the other one. Staying. Yeah, that would be a great one. Yeah, I'd be I a big fan of that be because that. I would love to see uh, Remy Gardner and Real Fernandez Championship play out again, even though I said Ooh. it was boring at the time in terms of it was just the same two guys winning, but yeah. it was spicy, so that'd be fun. Yeah, and Sasaki would make the logical step up to the Liquimori Husvana Intact GP Moto 2 team yeah. instead because apparently... Rumour is that both Binder and Tulovich are out for Ooh. next year. So, yeah. Binder's out for the next few rounds because of a broken vertebrae, I believe. The reserve rider, Senna Aegis, is also injured. So maybe SDK could take a step mm. in there, I'm thinking. I didn't realise Darren Binder had been 
hurt. Yeah. I thought he was That's okay. I, I said that he was okay earlier. Oh no, I've just realized yeah. I've lied to everyone. I'll just check because I did hear that. I don't know. I feel it, like he was up. And for some reason, yeah. I've just taken that that he was okay because obviously he was involved in a massive crash with Sam Lowe's. Binder had fallen off in front of Sam and Sam had nowhere to go and just completely smacked into Darren and the bikes were sent flying. And I did for a split second sort of go, oh God, Darren Binder's been involved. What's happened here? Um, but it was completely not Darren's fault whatsoever. And it was really unfortunate for him. But I hope he's not injured. Yeah, so, right, so it's quite fun actually. So, Ollie Barstow, uh, Bike Sport News, has said that both of them were uninjured. The official press release via Vroom, Vroom um, magazine, mm-hmm. who do a lot of the media with Michael Hill and things like that and cover a lot of the team's things, said Darren Bender even said he had injured his back and the initial CT scan showed a fracture of the showed a fracture of the third vertebrae body. So further examinations will have to reveal the length of twenty five year old's recovery phase. God. The Hosvana team, which is Darren Bender a speedy recovery and a quick return. Meaning he's probably gonna be out. I don't know who they're gonna use to replace him. Well you hope SDK? I hope SDK. I did tell SDK earlier that uh. there was a potential spot available. Um, but SDK... As he should be his manager. Knows, oh, yeah. Everybody that knows SDK knows he's terrible at replying to messages. <laughs> Even Max Toffs and, and Nolan Lampkin. So, um, yeah. Mm. But, yeah, it was interesting with the two, though, because oh, Bo stays at Sag as well. They did confirm that. Oh, yes. So Costa led most of the race, but a speedy Celestino Vietti, who had a rocket up his ass for the first time in ages, came from nowhere to win his first race since Catalonia 2022. Well, you say nowhere, he was on the front row. True. But like, why but is he being good this weekend? came from nowhere. Uh, Valentino Rossi's watching him. True. Big man, team boss, you know, the one that controls where you go and what seat you get is watching you. You're going to go... Oh, yeah. Don't kick me out of the academy, please. Uh, I'm going to win this race, is what I think. But it was very um, start of the season last year, Celestino Vietti. Like, he just looked unstoppable, and he was unstoppable, and he made Pedro Costa look bad. Yeah, he did. Like Because Pedro hadn't managed his tyres, you know, it looks like he had lost the front a little bit, and... You know, he nearly crashed on multiple occasions. And then you've got Vietti just passing him easy. Yeah, like, looking like it's easy, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know where this speed came from. Like you said, maybe Rossi being there has helped. Yeah. But, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been over a year since he's won a race. Yeah. But that was... And then he just... What were you going to say? Appears out of nowhere yeah. and then just like wins a race. Well, like, will, it, will it continue yeah. or not? Well, here's the thing. The last race he won was Catalonia last year and they're going to Catalonia next. So mm. is this a return to form? We never know. We hope so because he's fantastic to watch when he's actually on his day. Yeah. No, he mm. is. I don't, just don't understand it to be honest at all. I've no real words for it to be honest because I, I just didn't expect it. No, it's weird. Like, because... Like, 
I expected Ayagora to be on the box because he was on the box there last yeah. year. I expected Pedro to be up there. Kind of expected Arbolino to be up there. I don't know what's going on with him at the moment. I ex- Well, qualifying what P7, I sort of thought, mm, that's mm. normal. Okay. He usually makes it up and he did in the first lap or two. He, he got up there and I'm mm. going, okay. Yeah. And then the laps went on and he's dropping positions and I'm like, oh dear. I thought this was just a Silverstone problem. No, like... The last three races of Assen, Silverstone, and Austria, he's finished 7th, 10th, and then 6th. Pedro's finished 3rd, 3rd, 2nd. Yikes. Like, do you want this title or not? Yeah, he hasn't even had to win races to take the championship lead. That's it. And the last two races before that, Pedro won both of Arbolino's second on both of them. Pedro has crashed out of Le Mans and then had a 12th at Argentina, and apart from that, he's been on the podium every race. Yeah, but he's been able to make those mistakes because now... Tony has made more mistakes. Yeah, because yeah, because Pedro lost a lot when he crashed at Le Mans. Tony had a race like win on him. a full 25 yeah. back, yeah. But he's lost it all. To the point where Pedro is now like 8 over, no, 12 over. 164 plus 70... I don't know, 176 minus 64. Yeah, it's 12. Yeah, so he's got a 12-point lead. Which isn't massive, but... But to go from... He's, it's been a 37-point swing so far. Yeah. I don't know. I'm worried about it. But to be yeah. fair, Jake Dixon's still quite a way off in third place. So I do still think it's going to be between those two for the championship, but it's just now, will Pedro be able to run away with it? Or is Tony just on a bit of a... I'm not like a losing streak, but yeah, we'll come back. It's an it's a weird one. Well, it, Another weird one. Curry, Curry, Curry. I was just going to say he won what was it Thailand last year Tony Arbolino in yeah the, he won in two the races rain. in Kota so as well. I think you know we're going to some tracks that he did perform well at last year so I'm not going to rule him out just yet is all I no, wanted to say fair yeah fair enough um, and yeah another crash for Alonso Lopez weird mm-hmm. did you see his but story the, yeah when he said like thank you for the nice messages and things like that all will be revealed tomorrow about why he's been getting on the way he's getting on, apparently. Oh, I didn't see that. Did you not I translate it? it? I don't. Well, I badly translated it from Spanish to English with the little translate button. Let's read it. Where is it? I can't even find a thing. I kind of read half of it and then just skipped because I can't. Well, I'm not yeah, that. no, read the bottom bit. So yeah, thank you for everyone who sent me messages of love. I don't know what I've done to deserve this, but. Bring your time. Tomorrow, well, there will be news and you'll be able to see and understand what has happened to me. Like, is that not a bit like, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. Has he got arm pump? I don't know. Is he out of a seat? I doubt No, I don't know. Seat. I'm just stirring the pot at this point but like it's a bit weird that he's crashed mm. now two weeks in a row and then yeah, he's putting well, a, a bit of a cryptic story up yeah because well there's only eight no eleven points between him and his teammate now in the championship yeah weird well for me it's Very been better weird. since the summer break so far I know it's only two races but still two races he's been better yeah that's it, yeah. Like a crash and a retirement. Well, two crashes, really, for Lopez and then a win and a ninth for Fermin. Yeah. Another idea is doing terribly is Aaron Cannett. 
Um, <laughs> he's had the most Moto2 crashes this season so far. Not surprised. Does he not have the most no. second place finishes too? <laughs> How many has he got? Is it like 14? I, don't know. I thought it was 11 the last time I checked, but he might have had another one look. since then. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 11, yeah. Yeah, you go on his Wikipedia and it's just silver colour. <laughs> his last win was Aragon 2019. In Moodle 3? Yeah. Oh, it had to be. I don't know why I asked that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ouch. But yeah, that's Apparently, very odd. his squad might not be there next year. Yeah, Pons might be switching to NTS chassis so next apparently year. apparently he's found... A new team. Well, it was meant to be announced that it was going to be at either Fantic or Husqvarna yeah. this weekend. But then this is it's so weird what's going on. So there was even a press release written for one of the teams, which I'm not going to mention. And photos taken for it, apparently. But now he's been linked to the IO squad, Fantic still, and the Husqvarna squad. He was meant to have signed with one of those teams, like and was going to be announced this weekend, like on Thursday or Friday, it should have been announced. That's so weird. And then, and then nothing. If I was a team that's getting to the stage now where I don't know if I'd want Aaron Canna on my bike. That's what I'm thinking as well, you know. And that sounds so horrible to say that. I actually don't like saying that. No. He's not going to, I'm not going to like what I'm going to say. He's not going to make it to MotoGP, I don't think. No, but there's a there's becoming a bit of a list of riders in Moto Two at the minute that aren't going to make it. is very quickly joining that list. Vietti, possibly Joe Roberts, mm. um, Aaron Cannot are the main ones. But yeah, yeah, possibly Jake Dixon. Yeah, I'll, well, I don't know. There's still talk of mm. Dixon getting that Grissini. Yeah, here, isn't well, there? yeah, maybe. Very strange. I don't know, if he doesn't yeah. go this year, I don't see Jake going at all. But no, that's I'm a, the same, yeah. a different story. It's a thing for another day. Um, there's so much more I want to talk about, but it's been an hour and 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> You've talked about Yeah, MotoGP. <laughs> yeah, MotoGP, boring race again. Yeah. I mean, great for Peko. Really good weekend. Yeah. He did, Peko's running away with yeah, it. Yeah, did the pole, did the sprint, did the mm. main race, got his 37 points, and yeah. Didn't really have to do much. Vinales had a terrible start as always. Yeah. I'm, I was like, yeah. when he got that second place, I was like, he's going to win this weekend, you know. And then he goes and does that. No. And I'm like, great. Thanks, Vinales. <laughs> for once again. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Destroying my hopes. Apparently it's just a weird one because then you've got a leash winning last week in Silverstone and then just being absolutely nowhere. I mean, he was top mm. 10, but it just felt meh. So quiet of a weekend yeah. for him. Yeah, it was very weird. Yeah, like you said. I wonder about those two. Like, how much longer are they going to mm. keep racing? Yeah. But I just worry at Prilia because Miguel Oliveira is probably the most unlucky rider I think I've ever seen this year in my life. Mm. Like, he got smashed off on the sprint race. So, right, let's go through it properly. Oh, right? Was it not the main race? So, DNF in Portimao, cause, and thanks to Mark Marcus' dive bomb, injures himself, misses Argentina, comes back America, fifth, crash in Jerez, injured, misses Le Mans, 
comes to Mugello, Mugello crash. Scores points in Germany, crash in Netherlands and Assen. Scores a fourth place in Silverstone, smashed off in Austria in the sprint. Yeah. And then retires from the main race due to his pipe breaking on him. And he's taken out probably some of those out of the Jerez, uh, Mugello, and Assen crashes. I'm sure he was taken out of one or two of them. Yeah. Possibly. Like, the dude's so unlucky. <laughs> no, literally, because he fully deserves that factory seat if he hasn't yeah. just been literally the most unlucky man alive. Yeah, the guy is so unlucky. It actually hurts to watch yeah. sometimes. With RNF this weekend, though, it was a double curse because they ran a um, special a livery. pink livery. Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful, some of the comments of that. Gorgeous, like, yeah. Yeah, like, some of the comments. Someone said it was woke because it was What does pink. that mean? I'm like, bro, it's a freaking colour. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that when you told me that to me. But they didn't change their leathers, yeah. which I thought was a bit lazy. No, it was too late or something. Because the suits cost quite no quite time consuming to make, I guess. And well, just don't maybe it's like a last well, minute thing. Don't or... do a livery if you're not going to do it properly. Yeah, because that's what I thought. I was like, I was a bit weirded out that they were in like blue yeah, and the green. suits were not right. Yeah, I was like, huh? but mm, very strange. Like imagine but, like a Barbie helmet. That'd be so funny. That'd be dope. Yeah, but can you imagine all? Sad people whine and complain about it being pink. Yeah. Someone said oh, someone should have done me. Barbie and then someone else should have done Oppenheimer. I, I get the Barbie, but do you really want the <laughs> livery celebrating an atomic bomb no, that killed but I didn't. tens of hundreds of thousands someone of people? Someone did make a joke about that. I haven't seen the movie yet. Yeah, they did. They did. Oh, yeah. I do know it's a real life event. That is sorry. Yeah. I just said I haven't seen the movie as if I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, I've seen both, to be fair. They are good. I like both. Yeah, Barbie's great. great. Yeah. So fully great support life. running a pink livery. Yeah. yeah, why not? It's great fun. Yeah. Bit of fun, isn't it? Like, was it Danny Jewel John Danny Jules? I can't ever pronounce it. John Jules. That's it. Danny John Jules. Years ago, um, big MotoGP fan. Mm. You'll remember him from Kids TV years ago. He was a guy in MI High. If you remember that. I remember, not, I remember that name sounds familiar. Like the MI High. Yeah. But I just I don't know who but, you're talking about. He did a thing years ago and he had a... That's it, I'll send you the photo. I do, because I'm confused. He travelled in a bright pink liveried motorbike by Spain for Riders to Health. <laughs> what? Yeah. I do not so, like, know this guy. Pink's sick. Do you not? No. He was in the paddock at Silverstone and everything. Let's have a look. I have uh, literally no idea. I'm loving this bike though. I've never seen this great, man before in my life. Have you not? You have seen MI High. This is useless for everybody who's listening. I think so. Wasn't. We're not that different in age. You're only a year older than no. me. Yeah. I've never seen this man before in my life. Maybe I never watched it. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, what about this? Right, this is the last one. He's on Strictly Come Dancing the other year as well. <laughs> I love Strictly. No, um, I have no idea. What the hell? Okay, very, very last one of him was Strictly then. But yeah, that's it. When was he on Strictly? I only started watching oh, it recently. Oh, okay, it was a few years ago, mm. like 2019. Oh, no, I didn't watch it then. It's sort of a lockdown thing since then. But yeah, he's, he's into mm. his bike anyway, and he did, a, he did raise money for charity in a completely white, no, 
completely pink livery. Pink is cool, is what I'm trying pink to say. Pink is cool. And it doesn't matter like if you're pink. a Ken or a Barbie. Pink is cool. Yeah, pink's great. But anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, Alex Marquez, outstanding. Battling for a podium as well. Yeah. Very impressed, to be honest. Really impressed by Alex Marquez this year. He's obviously been confirmed to race for Cassini next year already. Mm-hmm. Very, very happy for him. Yeah. Digi is looking like the biggest loser here in the sense oh, of looking... like he's looking like the one that's going to be booted from the championship. Oh, he's, he's out. Like, But not only that, like, <laughs> it kind of makes sense because Zucati is the best bike on the grid. And if you're not performing on the best bike on the grid, I'm sorry, dude. But Yeah. It's not good enough, is it? Well, Anair like, really, really Bashani is going to have to have that talk had to him too discussion yeah did you a 17 yeah that bike should not the be there like that bike is no. good i'm so confused zucati should be locking out top 10s really a top eight yeah. really <laughs> i don't know why they'd lock out the top 10 <laughs> no no yeah maybe not the top 10. they had like but apart from miller they have around the they have a few weeks ago didn't they have all eight bikes in the top nine with Miller. Ah, uh, yeah, Fat Adigian well. Tanu had a good weekend that weekend, and I think Miller yeah. was the only one to disrupt that. that. Wasn't yeah. Yeah. Nuts. But yeah, let's go into our predictions before we finish off. If we have to. <laughs> so I'm not going to go through the points and how they scored because I've done it a million times. And I still don't understand how it works. Hell yeah. But so, pole position Moto 3. Me and Laura went for Sasaki, Cameron Mazia, and it was Via on the box. I'm annoyed by that. On the, on the box, on the pole. So, yeah, no points for us there. In the race, it was Onshu, then Holgado, then Sasaki. I went for, as you can tell, it's very late now. On, it's like I'm very tired. But I went for Sasaki, Alonso, Onshu. So I got Onshu and Sasaki on the podium in the wrong position, so I get two points. Mm-hmm. Cameron went Mazia on loans Alonso Alonso Ortola third. So zero points for Cameron. And Lauren went Holgado Ortola Sasaki. She gets six points. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So the points were before that myself with one three four, Cameron with one four seven, and you with eighty four. Then now myself with one three six, Cameron with one four seven, and Lauren with ninety. I am catching up. Just like, yeah, about 40 off there. It's not bad. But I wouldn't... Um... <laughs> We've seen people come back from worse. True. So, Motor 2 pole was Acosta. You went for Acosta. You, you had a point. I went for Dixon. Cam went for Aldeguer. On the podium, it was Vietti, Acosta, Agura. I went Dixon, Agura, Arbolino. I get one point. I got a Gura just in the wrong place. Cameron went Aldegar, Acosta, Canet. Cameron gets five points for Acosta in the right position. Very good. And you went Acosta, Dixon, Aldegar. So you get two points in total for Motor 2 mm. for Pole and Acosta being on the box. So the points now are myself with 137, Cameron with 152, and Lauren with 92. In MotoGP, I'm really annoyed about this. Pole was Bangnaya, and I nearly put Bangnaya for pole and the sprint winner, and I didn't. I went for Martin, so did Cameron for pole, and you went Bazzetti. Sprint winner was, of course, Bangnaya. I went for Alasia Spargaro, Cameron Miller, you binder. I had to back him. 
Yeah, Binder's a good shout, to be fair. In the main race, it was Bagnaia, then Binder, then Bezzecchi. I went for Bagnaia, Binder, Miller. So I get 15 points. Cameron went for Bagnaia, Alicia Spargo, Zarco. So, what's that? Five, no, 10 points for Cameron. I've just realised I made a mistake on yours, sorry. You went for Binder, Martin, Oliveira. You get one point. Oh, God, that's so depressing. So the points leaving Austria. So my points gap to Cameron is actually closed slowly and slowly, 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 slowly. And it was 13 points heading into this. And now leaving, I'm on 152. Cameron's on 162. So only 10 points in it now. And you have 93 points. That's a good number to have. It's a very fast number. Exactly. To have, Maybe yes. this is the turning point. This is my 91 yeah. point deficit happening right now. Hell yeah. <laughs> Which I've said for nice. about three weeks now. And it hasn't. Yeah, you have. <laughs> to be fair. All I need is like one of those 15 points. Yeah, or a 30 pointer and then you'd be sorted. Like if I had, if I blew and put by now, say to win the sprint race, I'd be in the lead maybe or a tied first. Or if... I'm just hopeful. Know. That's the problem. I'm just going into every hopeful. weekend going, oh, I just don't want it to be bang I just constantly winning everything. And then it comes back to bite me in the ass. Mm, that's it, isn't it? But then it's just boring if we all pick the same podiums, just in a different order. Yeah, that is very boring. You are very true. So before we round off the podcast, firstly, I want to congratulate Jake Garnier mm-hmm. on taking his third consecutive Moto America title. Fully deserved, very fast rider, and he's managing to do it against some stiff competition. They sent Loris Baz over, couldn't do nope. it. They sent Danny Petrucci over, they couldn't do it. Cameron Bobia went back, Josh Herring was on the Ducati, still couldn't do it. So, yeah, very, very, very well deserved mm-hmm. from Jake Garnier. Superb rider. Um, some more sad news um, in Haruki Nodaguchi who was third in the Red Bull Rookies in 2020 behind Carlos Tata and Pedro Costa. And he had an accident last weekend in the Asia Road Race Championship and tragically lost his life at just 22 years old. Um, he also won at the Red Bull Ring a few years ago. And yeah, it's very sad. You know, it's no age to lose your life racing. So yeah, I just want to pay some respects to him. Very disappointed in Dorna and MotoGP in general for not even a hint about him over the weekend. Very sad about that. No. Disrespectful. Not good. Yeah, it is. it's gross, to be honest. Um, and then sadly, today, on the opening day of the Manx Grand Prix, Gary Vines has also tragically lost his life in the first qualifying session of a 2023 event. So I wanted to um, pay some respect to Gary as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts go out to everybody's family and friends who has obviously just who have tragically lost their lives. But yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, I think so. Sad to leave it on a sad yeah. note, but Yeah, of course. It is sad, yes. But that's sadly racing for us, isn't Unfortunately, it? Unfortunately, but I think we've rambled on now quite enough. Too long. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe Cameron's the voice of reason and keeps us Yeah. Keeps us a bit shorter a in bit, our a bit sane discussions. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Maybe. And good though. Yeah. If we could talk about the racing next week that'd be good. Well, in yeah, two weeks, great. but yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Fingers crossed. Anyway, thank you for listening. I'll be back next time. Bye. Goodbye.